0: We see that nature is a very powerful tool to address climate change. And by using nature, you often are able to accomplish, make progress, at least in all three key strategies. And those are, one, reducing or avoiding the emissions of greenhouse gas. Two, restoring carbon to the earth. And three, reducing climate magnified risk and enhancing resilience of both human and natural communities.
1: And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancocks and Vernice Miller Travis.
2: Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. This is Mike Hancockx, and joining me is my co host, Vernice Miller Travis.
3: Today we are talking about natural strategies to combat climate change. Our guest is Lewis Blumberg. Lewis is the director of the California Climate Change Program of the Nature Conservancy's California chapter, where he leads a multidisciplinary team developing a comprehensive suite of natural climate solutions, including strategies to reduce and avoid greenhouse gas emissions from forests and other natural lands, and to enhance resilience of human and natural communities from the escalating impacts of climate change. Louis, welcome.
0: Thank you, Vernice.
2: So, Louis, part of what we like to do here at Infinite Earth Radio is not just talk about what is working and making our world more sustainable and equitable, but we like to honor public service and celebrate dedicated public servants who are working hard to make such a difference. Can you tell us about the moment when you realized that combating climate change would become the focus of your career?
0: Thank you, Mike and Vernice. I guess it was a moment that I was spending on the Garcia River Forest in Mendocino County. I had been working for the Nature Conservancy for about two years, looking at different ways to protect forests, and one of those ways was to create forest carbon credits and to provide benefits to the atmosphere while conserving forests. And I was out on the forest on a tour with somebody from the Disney Corporation showing them this demonstration project. And I spent about three hours talking about all the technical issues involved in measuring uh, trees and carbon and tracking that over time and, and ensuring that it was real and verifiable and it was very technical. And then we were having our picnic lunch on a bridge over the Garcia River. It was a beautiful day. And the guy from Disney said, you know, this is what we want. We want to fight climate change by protecting nature. And I felt really inspired. I felt this is a really wonderful opportunity that I have to help fight climate change and protect the forests that provide clean water and biodiversity and a whole suite of services for people all around the world.
3: So you're working on a project to value ecosystem services. Can you tell us about that project and your goals and define what ecosystem services are for our listening audience?
0: Well, ecosystem services really can be a, a way to try to put a dollar value on the services that nature provides. So, for example, trees grow, they store carbon, they remove carbon from the atmosphere. All plants do that. That's through photosynthesis. So that helps regulate our climate. So that's a service that forests and other plants provide to people on the planet. Another example, again with forests, would be the forest ability to store water and release it slowly over time. The forest can act as a sponge and collect water and it stores in the ground and then it releases slowly and then we get water in, in the dry time of the year. So that, that provision of clean water at key times is another ecosystem service. It's a benefit to society that we get from nature. And the challenge is to put a dollar value on that. And so that we can fold that into our cost accounting when we decide on on what to do, uh, how to fix different problems.
3: But what are some of the other natural solutions to climate change and why are they so important?
0: Well, another great one is uh, that we're working on in the coastline of Ventura County in Southern California is the restoration and protection of a wetland a system of coastal wetlands called Ormond beach. And there, by protecting and, in fact, enlarging and restoring the wetlands to what they used to be, we can help protect the community of Oxnard from sea level rise and other climate change hazards that are, that are beginning to happen already on the coast. So the wetland acts as a buffer to protect people from sea level rise. And that's true here in San Francisco Bay as well, where we have a big project going with a lot of partners to protect and restore wetlands that have been used for salt ponds uh, historically here.
3: So you and a team of your colleagues are working on a comprehensive suite of natural climate change solutions. Can you tell us about this project overall?
0: Well, it's a huge project. We see that nature is a very powerful tool to address climate change. And by using nature, you often are able to accomplish, make progress, at least in all three key strategies. And those are, one, reducing or avoiding the emissions of greenhouse gas. Two, restoring carbon to the earth. And three, reducing climate magnified risk and enhancing resilience of both human and natural communities. So we're using nature in many ways to do that. And we're doing that at all scales. We're doing that here in California at the project scale. We're doing it a lot with the policy development in the state of California and also in the United Nations climate change uh, arena at the international levels. So what we do here in California has an impact not only on Californians, but also around the U.S. and around the globe.
3: That is so true on so many fronts. Is there any focus in your work, Lewis, on analyzing how these natural climate change solutions impact low-income people of color and indigenous communities positively or negatively?
0: Well, there's several different ways. I guess one of the ways I'd point to is, is working. We're working with a coalition of uh, several coalitions of indigenous people in the communities in forest communities in Ecuador and in Brazil and Mexico and Peru. And there, those folks there we've been working with, we're working together to try to add tropical forest credits in the California's climate change program right now. And by doing this, we have been able to calculate that there'll be About 20 to $40 million initially of payments that would flow to tropical forest states that would in turn pass them on to indigenous communities for forest carbon credits so that the indigenous people can be paid for protecting the forest that, that is so essential to their way of life.
3: And does that translate to indigenous communities in California and on the West Coast, people of color communities, low income in California and on the West Coast?
0: Well, interesting, in California, there are two Native American tribes, the Yurok tribe on the Klamath River and the Round Valley tribe in Mendocino County. Both of those tribes have been able to produce uh, forest carbon credits and sell them on the market, and those credits have been used by companies that, under California's climate law to comply with the law, and the revenue that's gone to the Yurok and the Round Valley tribes, and to the Yurok tribe especially, they're using the revenue to buy back adjacent cutover timberland that was part of their ancestral land base. So this is a great way to protect and restore their cultural heritage while protecting the environment and fighting climate change.
2: So, Lewis, are there any particular leading-edge innovators, whether it be businesses or governmental entities, are there any leading-edge innovators or implementers when it comes to natural climate change tools, people that you think are doing uh, exemplary work?
0: Well, I guess obviously we think the Nature Conservancy is doing exemplary work. I've been working on this for about 15 years. Unfortunately, many of the other large environmental groups have not focused on the role of nature to address climate change. And while their work is very important at helping to transform the energy, electricity and transportation sectors, the Nature Conservancy is, is the only group I know that's taking a full comprehensive three-way approach that I mentioned earlier to addressing climate change. We do we do see other groups working on the carbon side or other groups working on the risk and resilience side, but we're the only group that's doing that. Now, I would also point, though, to the, the, um, the outstanding leadership the state of California has had. I worked for Governor Gray Davis. He was a Democrat. He was replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, a Republican. Now we have Governor Jerry Brown, a Democrat. And so California has continued its uh, leadership on climate change policy with nature and, and, and beyond through three different administrations and showing that climate change can be a bipartisan and a successful solution, not only to address climate change here, what we're doing, but also to make the transition to a low carbon economy.
2: So, can we go back for a minute? Well, let me ask a question, one more question, follow-up question on that issue. So, you know, the Nature Conservancy is taking a big lead on this. The state of California. Anybody in the private sector supporting your work, or is there anybody that you know might be providing funding for this work?
0: Well, the Disney Corporation was an early actor there to support our forest carbon work. They've been a really good corporate citizen around uh, using forests to help offset some of their emissions. The PG&E, the Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Purchased early on uh, voluntary credits from the Garcia Forest before the state of California folded those into their program. So I would say those are a couple of companies. The Nature Conservancy is working with Dow in Texas to look at new strategies for natural infrastructure there. And so there are companies. I think companies are increasingly paying more attention to it. The other leader is the Department of Defense. The U.S. Department of Defense has been a very solid leader on climate change for many years, they look at the facts. They don't care about the politics. They look at the facts and they've seen, for example, in Ventura County next to Ormond Beach, that they need to protect their runway because it's mission critical. But they also have a lot of room to move buildings back, what we call assisted migration or managed retreat. And by doing that, they can restore wetlands and and protect their buildings from climate change. So I would say the Department of Defense has been good, too.
2: So I'd like to go back to the to – the, I think you could call it the three-prong approach. Could, could we, you walk us through that a little slower and explain each of the three prongs to our audience?
0: Sure. So the Nature Conservancy is taking a comprehensive approach to using nature to address climate change. We believe uh, that nature is a very powerful and underutilized tool to address climate change. And by using nature to address climate change, you make progress often at the three key strategies that are essential to fighting climate change. So it's basically a triple win. It can be a triple win. And those three strategies are first to reduce or avoid the emissions of greenhouse gases that are causing the problem. Number two is to restore carbon back to the earth through plants and trees, through the technology known as photosynthesis. And then third is to use nature to reduce risk that climate change is exacerbating and therefore enhance the resilience of human communities and natural communities. And that was the example I used, the the wetland providing protection for the community of Oxnard by buffering sea level rise. So that's the three-way strategy.
2: That's great. Very helpful. Thank you. So on the notion of um, the, the second prong, re- restoring carbon or, or carbon sequestration, any large scale projects, any, anything you would point to as, you know, this is a real game changer in terms of what we could do in terms of using nature to actually restore carbon?
0: I think that the body politic, the leaders are beginning to understand the potential for this. I cannot point to a large-scale project right now. It's important to us that forest restoration be done in a way that's ecologically sound. We don't want to see just acres of eucalyptus trees planted alongside the highway. That would have some impact on uh, drawing carbon out of the air, but it's not the provide the the whole suite of multiple benefits that natural forests would do. So I, I think we're going to see forest restoration happen at an increasing pace over time is the policy behind it. And then the funding follows in order to do that. What we need to do right now is stop deforestation wherever it's happening. That's, the, that's quick and easy. That's the, that's the low-hanging fruit, if you will, uh, right now. If we can stop the destruction of forests. We can maintain the carbon that's there and benefit from the carbon those f- forests will store over time, the, the increased sequestration value over time.
2: So is that, is that deforestation, that decrease in forest cover, is that, you know, I think we tend to see in the U.S., we think of that primarily as an international issue or is that a domestic U.S. issue?
0: Well, it's primarily an international issue, but it's also a problem in the boreal forest, as we've seen by the recent fire in Canada. And it is happening in the United States as well. And in fact, the most recent data in California shows that mainly due to wildfire, but also due to conversion to other land uses, development, and some logging, that the forests and the the natural grasslands of California may actually be a source of carbon and not a sink. They may be emitting carbon, actually not storing. So that's the long answer to your question. Yes, deforestation is a problem globally, some places worse than others.
2: So I've seen some movements to urban forestation programs. Is it likely that that is an answer on a scale that's going to make a significant difference? Or should we be looking at, would we be better off focus on these larger projects, international projects to reforest large areas that, that need to be reforested?
0: I think we need to do all of the above. And and the reef, uh, urban forestry and what we're calling now urban greening and building new parks is a great example of the triple win. So by planting trees in cities, we can reduce, we can avoid the emissions of greenhouse gases. We can restore carbon. But most importantly are the other benefits it provides. It reduces the urban high heat or the urban heat island effect that happens in our cities. I don't know if you've ever walked into a, a tree-shaded park on a hot summer day in New York City, but the temperature is, you know, 5 to 10 degrees cooler. And so by planting trees in cities, we provide a lot of benefits, to, especially to vulnerable and at-risk people, seniors, by just cooling, cooling, and then therefore reducing energy demand because we'll need less air conditioning if we have cooler areas in our cities. And therefore, that avoids energy use and therefore avoids emissions. So urban forestry and urban greening are an important part of a comprehensive approach, which is what we're taking. That said, I don't think the carbon benefits alone would justify the expenditures. But because of the other benefits, it's a very important strategy to take, while we also work at, at forest restoration in other parts of the world.
2: So how can people learn more about your work and, and support it?
0: Well, you know, the website for the Nature Conservancy is nature.org, and my particular work on tropical forests is on a website called forestforclimate.org. That's forest, plural S, with the number four, climate. How else? Uh, that's probably the best way. You could follow me on Twitter, Lewis Bloomberg on Twitter. <laughs> Make a plug for that. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So, Lewis, our next three
3: questions are what we call the lightning round questions. Answer us briefly. The first thing that pops in your head. First question. If you could implement one change or pick one leverage point that would lead to smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities, what would it be?
0: I would say a vote this week in the California legislature for a multi-year funding program for all of the programs that are slated or proposed for funding under what's called the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund. This is the money generated from the auction of allowances in California's climate change program. It's three point one billion dollars. It's been parsed out in little pieces. We think the state legislature should pass this week a multi-year funding program and, and provide some stable funding for these really important projects for all kinds of people, all kinds of resources for our climate and for our planet.
3: What's the number of the bill in it before the California legislature?
0: Well it's the state budget. State so, budget. Yeah, it's in the state budget. It's a it's a three point one billion dollar allocation in the state budget that's going to be heard tomorrow by the Senate Budget Committee in Sacramento.
2: Mike, next question. So for the average listener, the person who's not voting on that bill, what one action could our listeners take to help build a more equitable and sustainable future?
0: Well, um, I'm going to have to give you two. I think people need to be conscious of, and where possible, reduce their consumption of natural resources and things that they really don't need. And the other is to be political and weigh in on climate change with your local elected officials.
3: And lastly, if you, Lewis, are successful in the work that you and your colleagues are doing, what does California and the West Coast look like 30 years from now?
0: Well, uh, from a global perspective, I would say that the line, uh, the graph that shows greenhouse gas emissions growing up exponentially, pointing to the sky, I would like to say in 30 years that that line is maybe pointing to the horizon.
3: Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Louis, for being so generous with your time today. We can hear your enthusiasm coming through the wires. Thank you so much for spending time with us today.
0: It's my pleasure, Bernice and Mike, and I look forward to, to continuing our conversation.
3: And thank you all for listening. We will see you next time on Infinite Earth Radio.